You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a podcast that's all about supporting parents as they bring up children. We've got experts and advice to help you through the more challenging bits of parenting. I'm Siobhan Hunt. I have a very close friend who married a man in the police force. They had two very small children when things started getting tough. My friend suspected her husband had PTSD. Her husband denied it. Over time, I watched their marriage unravel and eventually end. It was heartbreaking. And while I have no idea if he actually was suffering from PTSD, it made me think a lot about the impact a career in the emergency services can have on one person and their family. Simon Gillard knows this experience firsthand. His book, Life Sentence, tells his story of a career in the police force and the toll it took on his mental health. Hi, Simon. How are you? I'm good, Siobhan. How are you? Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. Um, Now, you were in the police force for 16 years. What kind of work did you do over that time? So the work I did, I I joined when I was 19 years of age and um, I wanted to be a policeman since the age of 10. So it was something I always wanted to do and went through high school and I joined at uh, 19 years of age after high school and absolutely loved it. I started off as as most police do, working the beat and general duties and I did that for around three years and then I moved into detective work where the rest of my career uh, stood within um, investigating major crime throughout out Sydney. What did you enjoy most about your work? I loved helping people. It was something I always wanted to do and going to the, going to the the police academy we learn so much when we when we learn as a police officer that compassion and empathy is so is so crucial and, and it's crucial for resilience where we can't just have empathy for for others because we can end up wearing you know putting yourself in another person's shoes so to speak you end up wearing another person's backpack so compassion and empathy is the doing or the helping part so I loved the fact that I could help people and use that compassionate empathy to make the world a better place, the society that I was living in the better you know, the better place. I worked throughout many locations in Sydney and um, I, I absolutely loved doing that type of work and I also loved the camaraderie. It's very, um, it's very tight-knit with the people that you, you work with, your life and their life are in your hands and in some cases uh, every day of particular concern there where it can become your whole life can be police based as well though so it has to be a a line drawn in the sand there for a lot of police because that can become the total of your life is is police work. The emergency services can see some truly awful things I mean you're both seeing humanity at its worst and at its most vulnerable what kind of support did you have for that? I unfortunately, um, in the 16 years I was in the police, I didn't have one debrief. So that it's quite hard to, when I reflect back on that, and at the time I was very resilient and I, I, I moved through. And, and as you said, you see the worst in in society and um, vulnerability in people and day in, day out, horrific things. It's a good analogy is to use is that police work can be any given day working in a war zone in peace given times because you don't know what's around the corner. Um, you're, you're very hyper vigilant because you have to safeguard yourself, others. You have to 
think constantly about what you're going to be doing, how you're going to do it, thinking of the court process, the legal procedures that follow. You have to um, sometimes be a duck on water where inside you might have three or four angry people in front of you who may be, for example, ice affected, but you have to still maintain uh, control of the situation whilst the external part of you may look like a duck going across the water, but inside you're, you know, your 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 feet are going and going quickly. But you have to maintain, you have to maintain uh, that that order that's in front of you, and and try to do your best with all of those things that happen. The thing that gets me about that, sorry to interrupt, Simon, but the thing that gets me about that is some of the things that you're seeing are very traumatic, and for your average Joe to go through even one of those scenarios, most people would expect you'd need some kind of psychological support or healing to get through that. Now, you're in a profession that is not just going through one traumatic event, you're going through many, and yet you didn't get even one briefing that sounds incredible to me. Was were you the anomaly, or is this something that that is quite common in the police force? Um, it it was extremely common. I've been driving now with a lot of other police and former police in regards to that very aspect, and um, I liken it to a, a filing cabinet where you are resilient, but it's it's unhealthy resilience in regards to not taking in what you see but pushing it to the back like a messy filing cabinet to the back of your mind and then having to um, just keep going where so many things you do and so I've seen probably over 100 dead bodies in in, in multiple situations and, and the things uh, you have to see, you become desensitised to some degree and you push it back in your mind and um, it, it's unhealthy resilience because, as I said, with like a filing cabinet, it's like throwing in papers into that filing cabinet with no order, with no clarity, without unpacking it or putting it in. So it's ordered away in, in, in a manner that you can then move forward as, as being um, healthy resilience. Did you know when the cracks started to appear for you or was it something you've only been able to recognise in hindsight? I, I tried to hold on for a long time and fight against compassion fatigue. I didn't want to become a shell where a lot of people I've noticed in police, other emergency services do become a shell because they haven't had that assistance they so need and to unpack and to and to have that filing cabinet put away correctly because it's okay not to be okay. And the last day of work is when I completely broke down and I, I had a, a suicide attempt at, at work. Um, and ideation and that's when I, I fell apart and I saw my doctor a few days later and broke down completely. I've heard that it can take a long time to diagnose PTSD. Is that because um, people like yourself do hold on for so long and do try to keep on going before it just comes to a head? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a case, and when we break break down post traumatic stress, and it's actually changing now, which is fantastic to injury. Which it, I hate the word disorder because I think it's a normal human reaction to um, you know un, un, un normal uh, 
uh, things you're seeing and, and involved with where your life is threatened, etc. And um, that that being said, it's a case that we need to look at the other principles behind that, such as vicarious trauma. Um, each and every day you experience vicarious trauma. You never see anything other than um, bad situations, I guess, um, horrific situations. And as you said before, but for most people it would be quite quite daunting. Then leading on from that, we have, as I said, compassion fatigue. There's also burnout where you have an excessive workload and through that workload, you, you're sort of trying to keep your head above water and you go on the best you can and you keep going on and on and on. And when you reach out and you reach out for, for assistance, and this is the, the, the biggest crusher that you'll find for police and most emergency services and our military, it's more about you're very resilient to what's going on, albeit it can be, as I, I suggested and said before, it can be unhealthy resilience, but the moral injury is what happens to so many police and other emergency services and the military where betrayal trauma, where the people who you expect to look after you the most don't look after you internally. And so you start having this moral injury going, well, um, you know what I'm doing and, and I need some assistance and help here with what I'm doing. And I've got you know, two murder cases and 20 other high-profile cases and then I get called out at two in the morning because someone's been stabbed and investigate that and the first 48, 72 hours of that investigation and the victim becomes you know, so um, important initially and then the other cases get put on the back burner. So then you're chasing your tail all the time and when, you're, when you're, you start drowning and you reach out and need a bit of help and you don't receive it and then you can become a scapegoat, that's when a lot of police and emergency services lose all uh, ability to have meaning in the work they're doing because the people who should be looking after you are not looking after you. What impact does that have on your relationships, on your family, when you're going through that kind of thing? It's a, it's a catch-22 um, with family and, and policing in, in that it's it's quite hard sometimes you you leave work and you're still trying to unpack the day that you've had or even the week that you've had for yourself in your own mind because talk is therapy and there's no way around that you know for clarity for understanding and when you have someone you can talk to such as a, a professional and, and a counselor etc etc it's the case that um, when you come home to your family, you don't really want to bring it up and discuss it with your, your partner. Um, you don't think it would be the right thing to do to discuss the things you've seen and gone through for that day uh, because you don't want to put that onto them. But what can happen as well is that you're not really present either because you're still unpacking in your own mind some of the things that have taken place. So communication is, is one of the key areas that can suffer in a relationship. And then it can be the case as well. Police, as I said before, hanging with police and military with militaries, you believe and think that they're the only people that would, would have any understanding. And um, it can be quite difficult 
for, for marriages in, in particular. I did go through a divorce. I'm, I'm with my second wife, um, my, my second wife now. There's actually a saying that used to go around with the police and it's still used now. It's, it's quite a terrible saying, but it's join the force, get a divorce. Did you have children from your first marriage? I did. I had a, a, a little boy, Cooper. Did your PTSD have any impact on your relationship with him? I actually became probably closer to him. I I investigated one of the biggest uh, pedophile matters um, in the Australian school system that, that's ever occurred with another detective sergeant. That was difficult because I would then go back through the yearbooks, say, for example, 1982, and open it up and see this beautiful boy. It was an old boy school, but this beautiful boy um, in the photograph at, at such a young age. And my son had joined school at that time. And so I'd walk past some photos at home and I'd break down and thinking mm. something had happened to him because of that way it had mapped itself across into my own family life. So I was very close to my my son and um, I did have sleep disturbances and night terrors and, you know, at times I did watch over him. And how are you coping today? I'm good. I'm in recovery and, and that's how I've been and that's what I'll always be doing, but that's okay. It's a, a way of finding that measurement of being in recovery. I, I still sometimes have to, and I call it my grease and oil change, by doing as early as possible each time, um, seeing someone with early intervention when I start noticing the cracks. A grease and oil change can even be going into um, a rehab facility for 21 days to get some, you know, a, a really good service and overhaul. And I treat myself as an investment rather than a commodity. Simon, thank you so much for speaking with us today. You're most welcome. Thanks for having me. That's Simon Gillard. His book is called Life Sentence, A Police Officer's Battle with PTSD. And you'll find links to where you can find a copy in the notes of this episode. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.